0: On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast from playing with Pioneer League's Baby Jays to owning the WCBL's Mavericks, Greg Morrison joins us to talk about his baseball journey in Medicine Hat. Welcome to episode 156 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, I'm Joe McFarland. Greg Morrison has seen baseball in Medicine Hat from almost every angle imaginable. From a young player in the American Legion to winning a Pioneer League Triple Crown with the Baby Jays in 1997 to coaching the Western Canadian Baseball League's Mavericks before becoming owner and GM in 2009, Morrison is using his experiences to help young ball players at the grassroots level around the community. Even during the last two years of the Mavericks not being able to play, he's been doing everything he can to keep that connection strong heading into 20. 2022 and beyond we've wanted to have morrison visit us on the podcast for a while now as his journey is certainly a fascinating one and the opportunity was right earlier this week to talk about how it all began his pro playing career and what it means to him now being able to give back to the baseball community in the hat greg thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast thanks
1: for asking joe i always enjoy talking baseball with you
0: I want to go back to the very beginning with you on this one. You've had a long and illustrious career in baseball, but as a young man growing up in Western Canada, late 70s, early 80s, how is it that you end up falling in love with the game of baseball over what probably would have been a a culture of whether it be hockey or football to start?
1: Yeah, a very active family, a lot of hockey players and golfers and baseball players since way back uh, from older brothers and Parents in Saskatchewan, and uh, the baseball side of it happened really quick for me. You know, I was a hockey player uh, through and through, and, and of course played little league and, and the American uh, Legion high school growing up, and really went from not even on the radar at 16 to um, you know putting the skates away and just focusing on the weights to uh, that summer, you know, making Team Alberta, getting invited to Team Canada. Uh, Before you know it, there's, you know, Dodgers are kind of talking to you and that sort of thing. So it was, uh, you just, I guess I would, I don't know if I'd be a late bloomer as baseball goes, but, uh, you know, 17-ish before I started really uh, noting that, you know, there was interest and uh, just rode that wave and, and worked hard and was very lucky, like, to get opportunities like that, especially at my age now, to see the opportunities I was given um, just very thankful for that, and, and a big reason why I've stayed involved in the game here in Canada is to try to give some of that knowledge that I received uh, from some of the pro coaches and 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 really even some of the other um, you know avenues of learning through baseball. So it's been quite a journey.
0: Like you said, it's not the internet age that you were growing up in. So talk about your access, I guess, to the big leagues. It had to have been pretty limited. So did you have favorite players growing up, or was that something that you just kind of had a few baseball cards and drew your attention from that?
1: Oh, I was I was a baseball fan and had my baseball cards, certainly. I'd love to show you my collection sometime. I know you have <laughs> some, uh, some cards as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's
1: amazing on uh, whether it's social media, Instagram, some of these uh, very specific uh, baseball collectors, like uh, I follow some of the 1968 tops baseball postings and such because, um, you know, Wade Boggs was my guy. I loved the Red Sox growing up, Wade Boggs, Mike Greenwell, you know, right in the lineup for Wiffle Ball. You got that in your pocket and you're in your buddy and you're switching, doing, you know, pinch hits. It's quite, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that imagination at that young age. Um, and then being very lucky to, to find some cards in, in small town Saskatchewan. My grandma, one day I showed up, and this was in the early 80s, and she had to be like a. a Uh, like a bag she goes here so-and-so had a garage sale and just you know sets of 1968 baseball and uh you know missing the mickey Mantles, of course you know stuff Mm -hmm. like that but um just amazing sets of of cards so uh, it was i was always a baseball fan loved baseball there was something unique about it loved the detail of it that you had to Really, you know, I I love playing chess growing up, too. So I like that strategy of sport. And I think baseball provides that to us. And I think, you know, a lot of baseball guys, they just they really like that strategy, the game within the game.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you remember the moment when you realized this was a dream worth chasing? You mentioned being 17 and having some of those opportunities. But was that even something on your radar? Again, as a kid in Western Canada, it's not something that you think of as being sort of the normal sports career path.
1: When you're in it, you don't really step back and and say, "Hey, this is you know uh, I'm going to be in the big leagues in three years or five years." You're just in it. You want to play baseball. You're head down. You're working out. You're trying to get good. And uh, you know, uh, I, I got about halfway up the ladder in the minor leagues, and uh, you know, to me. Um, it's pretty special to have played with some of those guys that go all the way guys like Vernon Wells and um, you know Cesar's Tours and some of these guys they definitely uh, some of them are cut from a different mold the way they can move and throw and hit Uh, I was just you know as a Canadian I was I was pretty privileged and thankful to be a part of that and I could I could hit with those guys on a good day Um, but yeah you know baseball is one of those things that Um, baseball Canada helped show that exposure to me early on playing on the national team a couple years the junior national team and playing against Cuba and and Taiwan and um, just it's it's it was tough back then for Canadians because you really you went from your local grassroots to you're playing this uh, team Canada stuff so um, you know for me it was just eyes wide open it never stopped just always trying to learn um always trying to be appreciative of those opportunities and and uh it's great to see more and more now um you know with baseball canada and, and professionally a lot more canadians are getting those eyes they're getting those opportunities so um you know and, and no small uh, due part to uh, exposure of like alberta dugout stories and and just you know team canada and the way things have really grown in the last 20 to 25 years
0: when you look back on it, yeah, you hear this from hockey players especially, but being able to wear that maple leaf on your chest or have Canada scrolled across the jersey or the maple leaf on the ball cap, what did that mean to you now that you look back on it?
1: Well, every time I hear an anthem, it, it's that's what I think about being able to represent the country. And, um, you know, we were kind of coming of our age back then. That's, you know, on the junior team. Um, You know, we were starting to win some games as we got into the 99 Pan Am games. We were starting to beat Team USA in these Cinderella story type games. And uh, it was pretty amazing to be a part of that and and not just have a team, but to be impacting and playing at, uh, you know, whether it's Pan Am games or, world cup qualifiers and and you see with the olympics what team can has done so it's uh it's quite the snapshot of time and you think of guys like greg hamilton who've been there from the beginning i mean he was there uh as the uh, gm of the junior national team in the early 90s and still there so you know uh, a guy like that probably will write a book someday on on how a program can grow over 20 to 25 years and And the ways to do it right Uh, but yeah it's just uh, it's it's a pretty special thing uh, Canada and and being a member of that team Canada baseball
0: definitely you end up getting taken as you mentioned by the LA Dodgers in the 94 MLB draft how did that all come to be I mean like you said you're not in the internet age where you're getting watched via video or that kind of thing did you even know that you were being scouted at the time?
1: I did not. Uh, I know there was uh, Jim Chapman was a Dodger scout out in uh, BC, and, and that's where I went to one year of uh, college at you know, the NBI Baseball Institute out there. And. Um, you know, a great program led by John Har and and I think that year there was seven of us that got drafted from that team, if you can believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Corey Koski was out there and uh, Brent Crowder and I think both my roommates got drafted as well to the Dodgers. So it uh, it was a heck of a program. I didn't really even know what that was six months before I went out there, and that's you know just shows you how green I was. In that you go from not even knowing you're playing college baseball to team canada and uh didn't really get huge uh opportunities in the states but there was nbi and that's what it was for really it was for guys that um, wanted to keep playing baseball, and I think that's really where they. I got some good exposure on Team Canada, of course, too, but um, the Dodgers kind of kept an eye out there, out west in, in Surrey and Wally, and, and that's kind of where um, you know you can tip your hat to some of the uh, you know the scouting system that the Dodgers had out west in Canada.
0: Mm-hmm. It's funny you mention NBI, because the first time I actually came across your name was when you were with NBI. You got to play against the Toronto Blue Jays in Medicine Hat, right in the midst of their World Series championship. What do you remember about that game?
1: I think they found a way to get almost 10,000 people into Athletic Park. And, uh, you know, you've been to Athletic Park, it, it seats about 2,000, and they built up all these grandstands down the third baseline, down the first baseline, out past the outfield. And and uh, sure as heck, there were the Blue Jays. They were there flying in on a day or, day or two off. And uh, playing us in in our hometown in my hometown and um, you know it was it was pretty spectacular you know if you think about it the odds there was two of us from Medicine Hat on the NBI that year and uh, they I think the year before they played in Regina this was a thing they did this wasn't a one-off and just the fact that they came and played and and, uh, played in Medicine Hat with a couple local Medicine Hatters on the the nbi blues was pretty spectacular so um but yeah we, we i think we beat him on paper i don't know what the score was five <laughs> four um you know brent crowder pitched amazing uh you know he's a heck of a pitcher and, and had a nasty splitty and you know we're idh so i wasn't on the field but you know he got john olroot i think was hitting three or four hole uh you know I, I think he was in the midst of hitting 390 or 400 of that at that point mm-hmm. uh brent Brent, uh, I think, struck a few of those guys out, so it was pretty awesome the experience for our local community and our fans, and for us college baseball players as well. So, it's uh, definitely one in the memory bank.
0: It's funny, I've got that one in the memory banks too. We were on the first base side on one of the temporary stands. We are probably, you know, 25, 30 feet beyond first base. And it was the best moment of my, my baseball career up to that point. So it's, it's funny how it sticks and moments like that stick in your mind. Uh, speaking of moments that, speak, uh, that stick in your mind, you spent a, a summer in Great Falls in pro ball. You go over to Savannah and then you end up back in Medicine Hat. What was it like returning home and playing for that team that you likely watched more than a few? times as you were growing up
1: yeah it was pretty special Uh, you know the Dodgers gave me a good run there a couple seasons and uh, you know it's very performance based minor league baseball and and in my situation I think I hit 254 with a couple home runs in my second year at the Dodgers and that was it and was lucky enough to be a free agent signing in Medicine Hat so I got to spend the summer in Medicine Hat. Had a, a pretty good statistical summer there. I would had a couple of years under my belt and matured a little bit and, and got stronger. That I up my power numbers, but yeah, just thankful to even get that second opportunity with the Blue Jays, and, and let alone in your hometown. So it's, it was pretty special because it was home cooking, uh, you know, on game days. But yet you had these new friends, these professional teammates that you that you got a chance to. Uh, play on the field with, so it was pretty spectacular.
0: I like how you understated the stats. I mean, you're a triple crown winner for that season. You really garnered a lot of buzz for what you put up on the baseball field. What was that like living in that moment and just kind of trying to wrap your head around understanding how significant of a of a season you were having.
1: When you're in it, you don't want to think about it. Just like anybody that's in a, you know, a hitting streak or any kind of sports streak, um, I, that ball just it looked like uh, like a watermelon all summer. And I really feel that I had I had hitting uh, in quotations figured out for that moment in time, and it seemed to carry through. Like I actually got invited to Instructs uh, in the fall and did really well there too. Um, did well in spring training and just, it was just something that I, you know, when you, you know, as a hitter, when you know what your body's doing, what it's supposed to be doing and you're timing down and you're seeing the ball, um, that's, that's, you know, if a guy could bottle that right, in mm-hmm. his own baseball career, um, you know, you just know some days when you wake up, you're going to get two knocks and hit the ball hard and, and other days you just, you don't know, feel that same way. So, you know, I kind of really respect the, um, you know, the, the focus a little bit on, you know, trying to, that mental game of hitting and then sports psychology of, you know, how do you keep your body in mind so that you're very consistent? And I think that's what you notice in, in the higher levels and a lot of the guys that get to the big leagues, just that great consistency. But, um, you know, from my end of it, yeah, I was pretty special, saw the ball really well. Uh you know i'm an opposite field line drive hitter uh, you know being a first baseman left fielder it was nice to hit some home runs that year but generally i was i was a doubles guy and um, you know it's a little different different brand of baseball now where guys are are looking to hit a lot more home runs whereas i was more of just trying to hit that ball hard into the gaps to mm-hmm. hit as many doubles as i could and uh, that was the summer that uh you know, to hit 23 home runs like that was uh, well above my average for my career. But, uh, yeah, it was a heck of a summer that year.
0: You spent a few more years in pro ball, playing 1,000 games, hitting a ho- 100 home runs. Looking back on it all, what are you most proud of?
1: I think the, the consistency, like I was saying there, I just, I really, I don't feel like I gave away too many at-bats, and, you know, in 12 years, um, you know a hundred and, or a thousand and some hits and a hundred and some home runs there's a lot of days on the field you just don't feel that great and your legs are tired or stiff or you're getting tired in August and um, you know it's easy to kind of get tired in those late games that don't really mean anything and, and I really you know respect and, and and I'm happy to say I you know every at-bat was just laser focus as much as possible didn't give away any at-bats Um and, uh, you know, put, put, uh, put the heart into it on the field.
0: You are also one of the few people who can claim they played for both the Calgary Vipers and Edmonton Cracker Cats during your career. What was it like seeing the Battle of Alberta baseball style from both dugouts?
1: It was great, I mean, uh, those were uh, very well-known AAA professional stadiums and uh, to be playing that close to home was, uh, you know, pretty awesome. And I played. Was lucky enough to play in Winnipeg as well, which was in Canada, and playing in Canada as a pro baseball player—just um, amazing experience to be able to do that in, in that league. And um, you know, it was it was independent ball. Um, You know it's good baseball that league was very good baseball and you're out there to compete you're out there to win and uh those guys are taking it serious so it was to me it was great you know to play uh that many years after affiliated ball to go out and try and win some championships and um you know i got a a ring from from one of those years and uh you know calgary and edmonton they're great uh the fans are great and uh, alberta you know it's, it's a great place to be playing baseball and And, uh, you know, happy to continue
0: to be around baseball way down here in Medicine Hat now. Mm -hmm. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the infamous brawl. What do you remember about that whole incident back in 2006?
1: Yeah, there was a lot of balls back and forth. uh, You know, as a hitter, I think I got hit a few times. And, and, you know, being the former player and, and... you know, getting hits against the old team and that sort of thing, and a lot of that rivalry that, uh, you know, that's born into hockey in Canada, as you know, just Mm -hmm. by geography, right? Uh, But yeah, it was one of those things where uh, a couple balls went back and forth, and I think uh, you probably know Drew Miller, a a medicine hatter too, was involved. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he ended up getting hit in the thigh, and and, uh, you know, once the ball gets hit, a couple guys on each team, it was, it was quite the brawl. I think it made, I don't know if it was TSN or Sportsnet, but, uh, you know, that's, that's part of baseball. And, and, uh, it was one of those things where, um, yeah, we went at it a couple times out on the field there. And, and uh, I think those teams had a lot of Canadians on each team on each team. So uh, I don't think there was too much shying away from, uh, from fist type
0: thing. So. <laughs> so you retire from playing, you head back to medicine hat, you become a major piece of the Mavericks as a coach to begin with, and you become the owner. What's it meant to you to be able to give back to the game in that way in your adoptive hometown?
1: Yeah, it's a duty in my opinion of just, you know, the opportunity that I was given to, uh, you know, travel the world and 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 be able to receive coaching instruction from you know you go down the blue jays and they'd have 20 to 30 coaches there and outfield coaches i was an outfielder and you know the dodgers have these amazing infield uh coaches so just to me if i can you know give a handful of those kids that want to learn the game locally whether it's you're trying to get to college or become a professional or you're a recreational player you know i those younger ages those kids too you know showing a kid how to step with his foot before he throws the baseball all that sort of stuff uh from my end it still really gives me enjoyment to be around the game and and pay it back and and pay it forward and um you know medicine that's a great little community that you know and and we are kind of a hotbed of, of awesome weather and awesome facilities and and some really good baseball players here too. So, um, you know, I get to kind of swoop in and, and, you know, work work with some of those players that want to get better and it's awesome because um, you know, we're always always working to improve our programming and, and seeing how we can improve, whether it's the little league level or the high school levels, and seeing what the Mavericks can do as being a leader in some of that player development. Because I think, um, you know, at the WCBL and, and the BassNet Mavericks, I think it is it is something that we can really help out, and whether it's coaching development or player development, um, you know, we're we're happy to oblige and give that expertise when uh, when we can.
0: What's been the most rewarding part of being in charge of the Mavericks and seeing that organization and seeing that league develop into such a a major piece of the the sports landscape in southeastern Alberta?
1: It has. And, you know, we didn't lose a beat. We lost two summers of of summer collegiate baseball. Um, But I think at the grassroots level, it was really tough in 2020. We didn't know how many kids you could be around. And. All the the distancing and everything else but we you know we did uh work with some ball players there was a good 50 to, to 70 players i think we ended up working with in that 2020 summer and then last year uh whether it was me or my other coaches we, we got out as much as we could with some of the leagues and the little leagues and the younger groups and i think you know baseball is baseball and um you know we could have easily just turned the lights off for two years and and woe is us and and you know just tried to Survive, but we knew what our passion was, and it's working with baseball players, whether they're 22-year-old guys from Medicine Hat or whether they're eight-year-olds from Medicine Hat to uh, get out there. And if they're willing to learn, that's all we ask. If you're willing to learn, um, we will be there, both feet in, working hard with you to get better to throw batting practice till our shoulders are too tired to do so and hit ground balls. And baseball is one of those sports you have, you do need a lot of you need a lot of reps. And uh, it's a lot of work as a coach in practice, and uh, that's the one thing where um, you just got to be willing to put the time in and, and know that in the end, putting that time in and, and letting those guys get their reps in, that's what's going to pay off. And uh, it's a slow-moving, slow slow-learning slow sport and that you don't necessarily see the payoff a week later, but sometimes it's years, and I'm seeing some of those kids, you know, from 2020 that – they, they said, hey, you know what, I want to keep playing. I know we're not going to play baseball games. Let's get out there. Let's take 100 ground balls, work on our backhand. And to see some of those kids now, how they've just thrived now that they could play games last summer, um, you're just smiling ear to ear because really they're, they're the heroes of getting through this pandemic, a lot of those kids and those athletes that just, you know, They kept moving, they did what they could, you know, and and really just like us, we focused, focused on what we could control. We couldn't control that we couldn't play baseball with the WCBL team. But we focused on, you know what, we can get outside, we can do things, we can, you know, do workout. You might not be able to go to a gym, you work out in your garage. And I really tip my hat to all athletes, really, uh, who persevered through that, whether they're, you know, young amateurs or even the pro guys, too. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been a rough go for everybody, us included, but, uh, you know, it's just doing what you can control. And we are full steam ahead, excited for this up, upcoming summer. So that's where there's lots of planning and lots of meetings going on. Uh, hiring head coaches and everything else so we're excited that uh, 2022 we're going to be back and better than ever.
0: How crazy is it or gratifying is it to see things come full circle. You've been involved in in the the baseball community long enough now that you've probably seen some of those kids. And Nolan Ratai is a great example. He started off asking for autographs at Mavericks games and then ends up playing for the program and was set to coach your program as well before COVID hit. To be able to see things kind of come full circle like that and see those kids be inspired to to take their game to the next level like they have in, in the Medicine Hat area.
1: Yeah, when you're, when you're around long enough, you, uh, you get a chance to see uh, some of these kids grow up and, and, you know, they become coaches themselves or maybe baseball was just uh, a part of their life where it taught them some ways and, and, you know, how to work hard and that sort of thing. And maybe they're not even around the game anymore, but baseball provided some opportunities for them, uh, how to be a team player and that sort of thing. So, it, uh, yeah, you know, I, I guess it's a sign of... of getting some age behind me as well, <laughs> which is good. It's, it's better than the other option, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and to be around the game still at, at my age is, uh, you know, just very lucky to be in Medicine Hat, to be operating and, and running the, the Mavericks ball club. Um, yeah, just very thankful for that. But, yeah, you're seeing the guys that were pretty young that are now coming through systems. And for me, it's always, uh, gosh, I'd love to have half that summer college team from Medicine Hat some day and it might happen. Uh, until then, we usually have our Two to three, maybe four guys from Medicine Hat, and uh, we're happy with that too. Because if it's, it's a really good league, and um, you know, just always trying to develop at the grassroots level, so that kids, you know, they can maybe go off to college and come back and play in Medicine Hat for a couple summers. So it does come full circle, whether it's through me and the opportunities I received, uh, or just really any kid who comes through the baseball circle in any community, really.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned a few names earlier on, and wanted to look back on your career to this point um, through all your travels. Who would you say is the most talented player? Maybe it's a quirkiest player that you've played with.
1: Uh, well, I was lucky enough. That I, I was a first baseman. So when I played, I had uh, Caesars, Tours, and and Mike Young up the middle with the Jays. So those two guys were just amazing. The arm strength, the foot speed. I'm out there doing early work. These guys are cooking baseballs across the field. Back then you didn't have uh, – uh, couldn't really tell the velocities back then. But, you know, they, they were just – these balls were like just cannonballs coming across the infield to me. And, you know, your your thumb's sore. That's like the the pure talent that those guys had and the quickness to get the ball on the move towards me as the first baseman – um, you know they were probably the most talented guys I'd ever seen. So, um, but uh, Vernon Wells was a heck of a hitter, and I got to play outfield with him as well, playing left field. He'd be in center, and uh, the guy could just close gaps like you wouldn't believe. Just it's, it's not always about speed with those guys. Those names I'm talking about. a lot of it is about intuition and just you know almost you could probably equate it to a Wayne Gretzky in hockey. They just know where to put the puck before everybody else knows it. And mm-hmm. uh, those guys think the plays through, and, and just um, fun to watch that stuff because it's definitely they're cut from a different mold.
0: Any favorite memories or moments that stick out as you look at your journey to this point or times where you just kind of had to take that step back and go, whoa, what am I doing here?
1: Yeah, um, you know, as a player, you have moments where you have the big home run on Team Canada or, um, you know, breaking that home run record in the Pioneer League. Um, Moments like that, yeah. For me, it was always those are personal moments. I, for me, it, when the team's winning and you're, you're hoisting the trophy, um, and right down to you know that the Mavericks, you know winning, winning the first game uh, and then winning a championship those milestones that you just kind of hit and you check the box and you're like, oh my gosh, okay, well, what's this, you know, what's the body of work going to look like? Can you keep doing it? Um, you know, and for me, that's the remarkable thing with this league, this, this summer collegiate league. Uh, it's such good baseball. The competition is so fierce um, you just cannot take a, a week off in the offseason. You just literally have to keep building that team. You're always working to get amazing players. So when you win in this league, even though it's an amateur league, um, I know that uh, I got a couple of rings in a, in a mantle from the WCBL, and those are very cherishable for me. Uh, I got a couple other ones from the minor leagues as well. But, um, you know, those championship memories are really for me because that uh, – really exemplifies what are you doing out there. You're out there as a team. You're trying to put it all together as a team. Everybody's got to work together as a team. Um, so those moments for me really surpass those personal statistical moments um, because everybody knows it in any sport, no matter what league you're in. When you're, uh, you know, you got that ring or that championship trophy, Um, some pretty remarkable things have had to happen and you know you see it with the Braves too right like Mm -hmm. their record going into playoffs and and at the all-star break and then putting it together you just you're so happy for those guys at that level And, and specifically as you know we got some you know, connections to the Braves, like uh, mm-hmm. Frosty, like Frostat, and Soroka, and Jacob Webb. Um, you know, that's that's their moment. Those guys figured it out this year how to win a championship. So, uh, but yeah, championships are what it's all about for me in sport. And, and, of course, that doesn't leave aside the development aspect and the relationships. But um, winning championships is just an amazing feat in sport.
0: Mm-hmm. You've lived it as a player, a coach, a recruiter, an owner. You're involved in the grassroots now as well. What's the most important Important piece of advice that you offer to those young players, whether they be, you know, eight years old, or they're the twenty-year-old college kid who's coming through the Maverick system. What advice are you offering to them? The best piece of advice in starting their journeys or getting through their journeys here in Alberta and across Western Canada.
1: We're trying to remind our kids that resiliency is huge for them. You know, baseball and life is really built on failure. Uh, I know it becomes cliche, but it really is just, can you bounce back? Are you resilient? You're going to go over three. Well, guess what? That forfeit bat in the, the bottom of the six might be the Little League Prairies Championship, and, and you're the dude that you can do it. So, um, you know, we want kids to understand that, uh, you know, baseball in life isn't easy. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs with it, a lot of bumps in the road. And, uh, you know, being being consistent with their training and just having that focus but being resilient is probably the best advice and and of course you gotta love the game uh, baseballs built that um, you know you're not gonna love the game every day I guess that's another thing you could probably say is it's not like it's always butterflies and roses out there um, but that resiliency piece is you might have a bad day a bad week a bad season uh, but you just got to trust you love the game and, and do what you got to do whether it's get back into the weight room or or getting your extra ground balls if you made two errors in one game um, just be resilient pick yourself up because if you don't believe in yourself, you can't expect anybody else to.
0: Final question for you here, Greg. What does the game of baseball mean to you?
1: Wow, uh, yeah, um, it's a, it's a huge part of, of who I became. Um, you don't want it to be the only aspect of your life, too. You want to be a well rounded person. But uh, baseball has, has been a great opportunity for me to, uh, you know, uh, to compete, to uh, you know, build up build up that you know type of athlete I wanted to be and and, it was a great opportunity for me so baseball's been a great sport I, I still think it's a great sport um you know and it's uh it's those that are lucky to be around it long enough uh we're always very appreciative of that opportunity
0: we're really appreciative of your time the opportunity to be able to catch up with you as well Greg all the best as we look forward to the 2022 season and beyond thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast
1: Thanks, Joe. Take care of yourself. We'll probably see you on the field sooner than
0: later. Thanks again to Greg Morrison for the candid conversation this week. And if you happen to be a coach in Alberta wanting to get more insights and knowledge, Little League Alberta is hosting its coaching, training, and leadership conference November 19th to 21st in Calgary. The speakers include Morrison, Jeff Freeborn, Mike Frostad, Drew Miller, Bruce Walton, former big leaguer Eric Young, and many others. Head to littleleagueab.ca for more details. And before we go, we also want to give a quick shout-out to our Platinum supporters for all they do in helping spread the word about ADS. The Okotoks Dogs were the first to jump on board with our new tiered sponsorship program, and are always so gracious in sharing our stories. An absolute human performance joined us earlier this fall officially, but have always been big supporters of ours. We couldn't be more grateful for what both have done for us. Head to albertadugoutstories.com slash supporters to learn more about them and how to get involved with your organization. Until next time, thank you for all your support, no matter the platform of Alberta Dugout Stories.